Friends, it's my joy to celebrate Easter with all of you in person. This is the first time that I'm celebrating Easter with you in person since I arrived in Penang in 2020. Uh, if you remember, in 2020, Easter was around the time when the first MCO happened, right? And 2021 also, it was recorded here in this century, but I wasn't able to celebrate with you. And so, I, I don't know if you remember, last year, uh, I, I mentioned a greeting that churches have been using for hundreds of years uh, for Easter. And so, let's try that. Uh, slides, yeah, thanks. Okay, I say Christos Anesti, and in Greek, this is Greek, huh? it means Christ is risen, okay, Christos Christ, Anesti is, he's risen lah, okay. And you say, Alitos Anesti, okay, let's try. One, two, three. Alitos Anesti, let's try again. Alitos Anesti, okay, very good. Christos Anesti. Christ is risen. <laughs> he is risen indeed lah, speaking English already, right? Christos Anesti. Christ is risen? <laughs> you guys Greek already. <laughs> okay. Uh, indeed, Christ is risen and it is a cause to celebrate. Now let's come to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we gather for the joyous occasion of Easter and we celebrate in your name, would you grant us an appetite for your word? Would we honour you with the posture of our hearts this morning? Will we glorify you in how I preach and how we listen and how we respond to your word even as we depart later? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, over the past few weeks, if you have been following on Monday, Thursday and... Uh, sorry, weeks. Over the past few days, if you've been following on Monday, Thursday and Good Friday service, we've been looking at this theme called Eternity Now. And on Thursday we saw how we are eternal beings. Okay, we are, God created us to be eternal beings and our relationship has the potential to have an eternal impact on others. And so this is why it's so important to love others like how Jesus loved us, because of the eternal impact. On Friday, we saw how we respond to Jesus either in repentance or unrepentance and how we respond has eternal consequences. For us. Today, we are looking at the topic of eternal life. And so that's the takeaway message for today. Very simple. If you forget everything that has been preached today, if you forget everything in the service, just remember that Easter gives us certain hope for eternal life. Easter gives us certain hope for eternal life. And so if somebody asks you after service, What's Easter about? You go to church, do what? Huh? Uh, you tell them, Easter gives us certain hope for eternal life. But before we look further into this topic of eternity, let's look at the occasion of Easter. In many countries, Easter is a big deal. In fact, in 116 nations around the world, the day after Easter, which is Easter Monday, is a public holiday. Nice, huh? 
I, I wish Malaysia was like that as well. That's 116 nations. That's over 60% or almost 60% of the nations in this world. Easter Monday is a public holiday. In fact, usually the, it's a long weekend. Good Friday itself is a public holiday and it moves on into Easter Monday. In America alone, 180 million eggs are purchased for the occasion of Easter every year. Okay, this is just for one occasion. And it's estimated just in the UK, 415 million pounds will be spent on chocolate Easter eggs this year. Okay, just one year. That 450 million pounds is more than one third of the gross domestic product of the entire state of Perlis in 2020. Okay, so that's how much the, the uh, UK people love their chocolate over Easter. Of course, the whole reason for why and how many people around the world celebrate Easter today is very different from the earliest observance of Easter that was recorded over 1,800 years ago. But if you just take a look around you, you know, just look to your left, look to your right, uh, look at, for those of you online, look, look at the number of people uh, attending the service, the number of people watching at the same time, concurrent views, you'll see the attendance is always much higher over Easter. This is not just because, oh, we decided to come back to church after so long, haven't come because of pandemic. No, even before pandemic, right? Attendance will usually jump by 50%, in some cases, double, right? It's the same in every church all around the world. For many people, Easter is a big deal. But have you ever wondered, why is Easter such a big deal? Why? Okay, in some cultures, it's a big deal because excuse for public holiday, right? It's an excuse to have Easter games, Easter egg hunt, Easter egg roll. I understand it's a tradition in the White House. Uh, an excuse to eat chocolate, okay? Big deal for those cultures. But what about for followers of Jesus? For people who actually come to church and want to worship God on Easter, why is Easter a big deal? Uh, we know, yes, Easter is about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But why is the resurrection of Jesus a bigger deal than the transfiguration of Jesus? You know, when Jesus went up to the mountain and he got all shiny and he was speaking with Moses and Elijah. Why is the resurrection of Jesus more important than the transfiguration? Or why is the resurrection of Jesus more important than the ascension of Jesus? when he rose to heaven 40 days after he was resurrected. And he will come again, but from that day until today, he has not been walking around on this earth. Why is the resurrection more important than his ascension? If the death of Jesus is what pays for our sin, and faith in Jesus is what saves us, then why does it matter that Jesus didn't stay dead? Why does it matter that Jesus didn't just, you know, he paid for our sins, he died, okay, great, we have faith in him, we are saved. If there's no Christmas, Jesus won't be born, 
Okay, so we know why Christmas is a big deal. If there's no Good Friday, Jesus wouldn't have died in the cross in our place. We know why Good Friday is a big deal. But Easter is considered to be the most important celebration in the entire Christian calendar. So, why? Uh, this is the question that the Apostle Paul was addressing in his letter to the Corinthians, which was read to us just now by Brother Giam Liang. And Paul starts by saying that if Jesus, the perfect man, if he didn't experience resurrection, then no sinful human can possibly experience resurrection. And so the conclusion is, if there is no resurrection, then this life is all that there is. And if this life is all that there is, well, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, if this life is all that there is, then we are of, of, we, we are of all people most to be pitied. Okay, in other words, if this life is all that we have, we are zui kalian, we are zui tam, I don't know how to say it in Hokkien. Uh, we are paling kasian, okay? It is, it, we, we are most to be pitied. Now, take note that this statement for those, uh, this, this statement that uh, if this life is all that there is, we are most to be pitied, is for those who have hope in Christ. It's for Christians. A little before he says this, Paul, Paul writes this in verses 12 to 18, Paul was talking about the futility of the Christian faith without the resurrection of Jesus. So he was saying, if Jesus was not raised, uh, then Christian faith, no point. Okay? And so within this context, if this life is all that there is, then non-Christians might be pitied, but Christians would be pitied even more than them. Because we'll be putting our faith in a lie. Right? Jesus himself tells his disciples he'll be raised on the third day. We read that just now. Uh, so if Jesus was not resurrected, he'll be a liar. We'll be wasting our time and our effort living for a lie. And so if this life is all that there is, Paul comes to this conclusion in verse 32, which wasn't read to us just now, but you know, it, it's, it's there. His conclusion is, if this life is all that there is, then the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So his conclusion, if this life is all there is, maximize it. Eat, drink, tomorrow, die already. Because this life is all that there is. Right? In other words, Paul is saying that if this life is all that there is, then there is no point in living any differently from the rest of this world. The teachings of Jesus, the Christian worldview, the entire organization and, and faith of the church would unravel, fall apart, and we would be without hope, just like the rest of the world. If, if this life is all that there is. And so, if this is as good as it gets, if this life is all that there is, 
then there's no hope for us because all physical life ends in physical death. The first part of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 tells us that in Adam, all die. I mentioned a couple of days ago that spiritual death doesn't mean that our spirits stop existing. Right? When, God's, uh, when, when, when we die spiritually, it doesn't mean that we no longer exist. If we don't spend eternity with God in heaven, then we spend eternity separated from God in hell. Our spirits don't get extinguished. Don't know if you can read this, but uh, in Christian theology, this idea that after you die, you, know, you, you just become no more, you disappear, is known as annihilationism. Okay, annihilationism. So annihilation, and then you put an ism at the end. So if you want to read more about this, you can Google it. Uh, Google J.I. Packer and annihilationism. Uh, he wrote a good article addressing this. So the death that Paul is talking about here is the physical death of our bodies as well as the spiritual death of separation from God. Adam, as the first man and our common ancestor, he guaranteed that all mankind would die both physically, so our bodies will stop operating, as well as spiritually, we'll be separated from God because of the sin of disobeying God. And so that's something that wasn't unique to Adam. The rest of mankind, all his descendants, inherited that same problem, and we are all also guilty of that same sin of disobeying God. We are all in Adam. We are all headed towards physical and spiritual death. 100% confirmed. It's just a matter of when and how. Now, this is starting to sound like a funeral sermon, right? Uh, but it's not something we can skip over because there can be no resurrection without death. We celebrate Easter because there is death to be conquered. And so if we just remove the, the, the element of death, there's nothing to celebrate over Easter. We celebrate because of the conquering of death. But here's the thing. Here's why Easter is such a big deal. The resurrection of Jesus brings us hope that in Christ, this life is not all that there is. So just now, we are going through, if life is all that there is, uh, no point. Eat, drink, be merry, right? But the resurrection of Jesus brings us the hope that in Christ, this life is not all that there is. When Jesus was raised to life and he appeared to many witnesses, he proved to us that this life is not all that there is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, calls Jesus the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so this simply means that he is the pioneer. He is the trailblazer. He is the first one to go and, and, and show the example that for those who have tasted death, he was the first to die 
and be raised to life, and not just be raised to life because other people in the Bible have also been raised to life, but he stayed alive. He did not die again. He died, was raised to life, and he stayed alive forevermore. And so Jesus is the prototype. He is the first one to show us what it is like. And so that's why Paul uses the words, those who have fallen asleep, to describe Christians who have died. Because for a Christian, death is temporary. It's a temporary sleep that we would wake from with resurrection in Jesus. We will wake with resurrected bodies. Paul will continue on in the same chapter 15, uh, from verses 35 to 54, so a large chunk that I can't quote, uh, basically to describe what this resurrected body will be like, that it would be something imperishable, it would be something glorified, it would be something powerful, it would be something spiritual. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus and those who follow Jesus, death is only physical, and even then, it's only temporary, and we will wake from it. Ultimately, death is defeated. Life prevails for the rest of eternity. So what does this mean for us? It means that death does not win, which means that we don't need to fear death. Not only do we not need to fear a permanent death, we don't have to fear the unknown of what happens after death. Sometimes the, the things that people fear the most are not death itself, but the unknown of what happens after that. That's not the case for us. We don't have to fear the unknown of what happens after death. We know what comes after it. Resurrection and eternal life. And so, friends, that gives us eternal security. As Christians, okay, granted, we don't go looking for death, okay? We, uh, living life recklessly with our bodies, that's not the responsible way uh, to, to honour God with our bodies, okay? That would be uh, being a poor steward of God's temple. And so, we, we don't just throw our life away. That's why we are socially distant, wearing masks, okay? Uh, we, we, we take precautions, we are not reckless with how we live. But we also have the certainty of knowing that death is not something that we need to fear. And so we don't have to go and touch wood every time somebody mentions death, you know, or refuse to stay on the fourth floor or go choi, 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 because if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then death is not something to fear. Looking at the resurrected Jesus gives us certain hope for eternal life. But this eternal life is not a life that begins only after we die and get to heaven. Remember how we are all created eternal beings. In the beginning, God created us to not die, basically, right? Until sin came into this world. And so our spirits don't stop existing after death. 
But when we place our faith in Christ, He makes our spirits alive, both now and for the rest of eternity. And life is more than mere existence. Let me say that again. Life is more than mere existence. The life that Christ makes available to us now is a life worth living. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, He had come so that His sheep would have life to the full, or in other translations, abundant life. We may have been created eternal beings, but sin robs us of a fulfilling life. I think we are no stranger to that knowledge that the pain and the evil that we encounter in this world is proof that sin has robbed us of life to the full, fulfilling life, abundant life. But the fulfilling life that Jesus promises, it begins now. The very moment we are reconciled to God, we become citizens of His eternal kingdom. It's not only when we, you know, we, we cow in this life and then after that we go up, uh, see St. Peter at the pearly gates and then only we are admitted into His kingdom. No. The moment we believe in Jesus, we become citizens of His eternal kingdom. And it will be this same fulfilling life that continues on into eternity. Uh, some of you might be thinking, hang on, I'm a Christian, but life doesn't seem that fulfilling. You might be feeling, Christian life is so susa. Uh, if I didn't know the gospel, maybe my life would be easier. Maybe it would be simpler. Ignorance is bliss. Or on top of that, we may even have doubts that, you know, is going to heaven really worth the Christian life, this difficult journey of following Jesus. Go heaven, do what? Uh? Sit on cloud, play harp for eternity. Or church service every day. Uh? Listen to the pastor preach for eternity. Uh? I thought no suffering in heaven, right? Okay, but we need to remember that the suffering that we face as Christians on this earth does not originate from God. Our struggle on this earth is because of sin. It's because of our own sins and the sins of others. There's this show that I enjoy uh, watching with my wife on Netflix. It's called The Good Place. Uh, it's about a... Oh yeah, just a quick show of hands. Any of you watch this? Good Place? Okay, obviously only young adults. <laughs> okay, but for, for those who, who don't know what this show is about, uh, it's about a bunch of people who die and they go to the good place, which is a very bright, very colourful, very cheerful place that good people go after they die. And so they have houses that are supposed to be perfect for them. Uh, they have soulmates who are supposed to be perfect for each other. But the main character, she discovers that uh, maybe she's in the wrong place because for her, the the house that she is given has a very abstract design and it's very uncomfortable. I think the, the doorway was very small, the ceiling very low, something like that. Uh, she has to climb onto this platform in order to get to bed. And it's full of pictures of clowns, which are very creepy. <laughs> she hates clowns. 
And her soulmate is very neurotic. He's crippled by indecision. And so he's actually very annoying to live with. And eventually, they discover in this good place that they cannot tahan each other. They, they drive each other crazy. I won't spoil the rest of the show. Pretty entertaining to watch. But, okay, if you do decide to watch it, don't take it seriously, okay? Don't, don't get your theology from this show, okay? Nothing about this show is biblical because the eternal life in heaven that God promises us is not like that. It is good. It is good. Heaven is not God transporting us with our sinful nature into a different place, but with the same struggles, with the same sinful attitudes, with the same sinful struggles. Not only would the world around us be different, we ourselves in heaven would be different. We would be without sin. Eternal life in heaven is free of those things that cause us pain, free of those things that cause us suffering, free of any other thing that is not good. And we would have a fulfilling life with God in a place that is truly good for eternity. So I need to clear that up, that heaven is not something boring that we don't look forward to. No, put those ideas of heaven out of your head. Heaven is something that we all want. But let's not just look at eternal life in heaven. Eternal life begins now, remember? The moment we put our faith in Jesus. What about the fulfilling life now? Well, when we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live with us. And when the Holy Spirit comes to live with us, He's not just making our spirits alive again, which He does, but He also guides us into the truths of God. He equips us and He transforms us into greater Christ-likeness. So after we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes, we start becoming more like Jesus Christ. That opportunity begins to become more like Jesus in our character and in how we respond to things. And as we allow the Spirit to do His work in us, which requires dying to self, it requires humility and following God and not always doing what we want. But as we allow the Spirit to do His work in us, we allow Him to deal with our sinful habits and sinful attitudes and sinful motives. It gradually uncovers the fulfilling life that Jesus promised. And so the Holy Spirit shapes us to step into a fulfilling life. John Wesley called the end result of this character, Christ-likeness, as Christian perfection, which is not living a perfect life, don't misunderstand, but it is being made perfect in love, being like Jesus in this imperfect world. And so this would be a fulfilling life found in the very centre of God's perfect will, not ours. So our circumstances may not change, but the Holy Spirit changes us. And when His work is accomplished and we become more like Jesus, life becomes more 
fulfilling. So friends, if we set our expectations right, we can have the right ambitions. Because the hope that we have for our life in the future affects the decisions that we make today. Just like how we will make sacrifices and investments for a better education, right? A better financial future, better health, better quality of life. We are very willing to, you know, uh, not just indulge every day so that we can have a better future. We need to also make eternal investments for a fulfilling life. Not just here on this earth, but a fulfilling life that will stretch on into eternity. What is the price of this investment for eternity? It's not currency of good works. It's not religious acts. According to Jesus, it's the, price, the, the price is autonomy over our own lives. The cost of following Jesus is dying to self, taking up our cross, following Him, living for Him instead of ourselves, living as His disciples for His purposes according to His ways. Now, to many of you, this is not new. All that I have shared is not new. But even knowing this, you might still be feeling tired. You might still be feeling empty. And so I just want to encourage you that as we look not just at the cross, but also the empty tomb, that we keep our eyes fixed on the hope of eternal life that it will give us the resolve and the motivation that we need to persevere in following Jesus today. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because of the hope that we have for eternal life, our faith in Jesus is not in vain. Our struggles in following Jesus is not in vain. Our labor for the kingdom of God is not in vain. No life lived in Christ is ever meaningless or futile. It is not in vain. Because of the hope we have for eternal life, we know that this frail body with all its weaknesses and pains will one day give way to a glorious body without pain, without all the other ways that sin has corrupted it. Because of this hope for eternal life, we know that this broken world with all its wars and all its diseases and all its pandemics will pass away. In Christ, we will outlast those things. We will replace them with far, far, far better things than you can ever imagine. And so friends, if you find the Christian life difficult, if you find it discouraging, if you find it unrewarding, if you find it meaningless, May I challenge you to keep your eyes fixed on the hope of this fulfilling eternal life that Jesus brings and persevere. Persevere in living for Him. Persevere in living like Him, 
and persevere in living by Him. Because one day this body, this world, will give way to glory. And those who persevere in Christ would have their hope realized. At the start of this sermon, I asked the question of why is Easter such a big deal? And so let me close with another question. Is Easter a big deal to you? Is Easter a big deal to you? And if your answer is yes, then let me ask another question. Does the resurrection of Jesus affect the way that you live now? If Easter is a big deal to you, does it affect the way that you live now? Because this life will be the same one that you will be having for eternity. In conclusion, I'd like us to know that Easter gives us certain hope for eternal life. And so would you be a citizen of God's eternal kingdom today? And do persevere in Jesus into eternity. May the hope of a fulfilling eternal life that Jesus gives to all who believe in Him bring you peace, security, joy, and faith this Easter Sunday. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Now, wherever you are, whether you're sitting here or at home, if for some reason you have yet to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please don't wait any longer. If you want to accept Jesus, I want to give you this opportunity to do so right now. All you have to do is repeat this prayer after me and mean it with all your heart. I'll put it up on the screen now. You can choose to pray out loud or quietly in your heart. And so if you want to pray this prayer, you've never received Jesus before and you want to pray this prayer, would you repeat after me? Dear God, Dear God, I know that I have done wrong against you. I know that I have done wrong against you. And I deserve the consequences of all my wrongdoings. And I deserve the consequences of all my wrongdoings. But today, but today, I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my savior. As my savior. I believe that his death and resurrection I believe that his death and resurrection provided for my forgiveness provided for my forgiveness I trust in Jesus I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone and Jesus alone as Lord and King of my life as Lord and King of my life Thank you Lord for saving me and forgiving me Thank you, Lord, for saving me and forgiving me. Amen. Amen. Now, if you have just said that prayer for the first time and you gave your life to Jesus for the first time, would you please tell somebody the good news? Share it with your Christian friends. Uh, type it in the chat. Come up to me after service. I'll be happy to pray a prayer of blessing for you. And for all of us, let me just leave us all with one question 
just one question to think about and discuss after our service today or you know, at your small groups, just one question. And that is, what is one adjustment that you would like to make in your life now to invest for eternity? Okay? What is one adjustment that you would like to make in your life now to invest for eternity? And so I leave this question with you to ponder upon or to discuss with one another. Let's now all rise to our feet and let's join our hearts in song as we sing about the living hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ.